Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. We're alive. So that's good news. So <laughs> fuck you, haters. <laughs> hey, for anybody who is looking for us to uh, be performing down at South by Southwest. Yeah. Guess what? We were booked and now we're busy. <laughs> we were bumped. <laughs> yeah. We were bumped by the coronavirus. <laughs> Guys, South by Southwest, newsflash. Done. Winning. <laughs> Oh my god! I think we've gone stir crazy. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I haven't left the apartment in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm in quarantine. This is last man on earth. <laughs> yeah, I um, I was very worried that we wouldn't have a guest this week because of the coronavirus. Yeah, because one of our guests canceled because of the coronavirus. coronavirus. <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay. That's all right. Everybody on this podcast is still alive. <laughs> And for anybody out there who's still alive and interested in watching these episodes, mm-hmm. great news, you can go to youtube.com slash it's the real and watch episodes with people like Jadakus mm-hmm. and Jesse Reyes mm-hmm. and Royce to Five Nine. Keep going. And Rick Ross. Talk about it. And Jeezy. Make sure that people hear it. And Cameron. Let them know. And Russ. Keep going. And Corey Towns. I don't have any more good ad libs. And <laughs> the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. It's the real is now on YouTube, and here's what we need from you guys. Subscribe. It's very easy. All you have to do is just press the button below. Yeah, fucking lice all your keyboard and press subscribe. Subscribe below! (laughs) We're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers. We're very close. At that point, Jeff, what do we get? A prize. (laughs) What's that prize? $30. (laughs) Guys, help us get that $30. 30 bucks. We really need it. We're we're thirty bucks short of rent this month. Let's get let's get to ten k. YouTube.com slash it's the real. That's the one. Jeff, who's on the podcast today? Graf. Graf. Graf, who does not have the coronavirus. Graf from Queens, New York, who has a new project out called The Oracle Three. Shout out to Graf and shout out to our guy Green Lantern. DJ Green Lantern. This is the third of their series. Yep, that's why it's called The Oracle Three. That's right. Oh, oh. Uh, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. South by Southwest is calling. Is well, no, it's the hotel saying that. <laughs> Thank you for waiting, Jeffrey. I have now called the hotel for you and did my best to resolve your concern. I know you have waited for a long time. Yes, I have waited for a long time. I've been on hold for two hours now. That's the update. That's the update. No, like yes or no. This guy has been waiting to call the hotel for about half an hour. <laughs> All right. Graf was on the podcast today, and Graf came through to talk not just about his artistry and not just about what it takes to, you know what, be resilient over a decade plus Yeah. in the oh. music industry. What are they saying? The good news is that we have canceled without any penalty. Okay. But there's another dot, dot, dot coming. <laughs> okay. Graf was on the podcast today, as I was saying. Uh-huh. And uh, Graf talks about his artistry. Graf talks about making it through the music industry, but also talks about some real-life shit. And I'm talking about, like, the realest of real-life shit. Yeah, horrible, horrible things that he had to overcome and, and is still dealing with the trauma of today. And it, it has made him a... What did they say? We're not going to interrupt this now. <laughs> we just did. All right. Listen, they, guys. They said that we're processing the cancellation. This is a great episode. Graf is a great dude. 
Um, shout out to Graf, shout out to Royce, shout out to Bun. Uh, Graf has been on their two projects. They're on his new project. Go stream that everywhere where you can stream it. And uh, enjoy this episode. I think it gives you a new appreciation of New York rap and Queens rap and uh, and graph rap. Jeff, when do you want to get into it? Right after I shout out all of our producers who have contributed to our Patreon, patreon.com slash it's the real. Patreon.com slash it's the real is where you can go to support it's the real. That's us and all of our pursuits. So here we go. I want to shout out Andres Carmona, Darren W., Obi Marroquin, Armando Gallegos, Devon Overstreet, Jeremy Corrales, Felix Moya, Jaswinder Verdi, Lauren Reeves, Eric Gonzalez, Jeffrey Oreza, Jamal Jamo, Daniel David, and Torian Blakeney. Jeff, when do you want to get into it? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Robin, while his friends watching, a.k.a. Fix Thieves. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Spitting Your Grill, a.k.a. Shish Kebab. Hey, my name Graf, y'all. <laughs> Yes, your third favorite podcast to waste time with it's the real. Graf, what's happening? Chilling, man. What's good? What's Everything good? is good. Yo, thanks for coming over. Congratulations on your new project. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Before we started, we were talking about hard drives. Oh, yeah. And you said you had a great hard drive story. Great, but painful. Okay. <laughs> um, God bless Jay Dilla. Mm-hmm. He was um around. We were supposed to link up. And do some records and shit, right? So we only spoke on the phone. We never met in person. And he emailed me four fire beats. And I downloaded them. I'm hyped to do it. Like, oh shit, it's going to be crazy. I put it on my hard drive. And then I wrote to like one of them. Then he passed away. Oh. Then the fucking hard drive crashed. And I never got to record them shits. How, what happened? The hard drive crashed. Just like it just, it just died of natural causes. Natural causes. The hard drive fucking had a heart attack. I don't even know. God damn. Stop working. And I had four smokers from Jay Dilla. How did you guys connect in the first place? Through 88 Keys. Shout out to 88 Keys. Who did your first single? Yeah, 88 Keys. That's Shout out man. to you, brother. That's my yeah, that's yeah. my dog right yeah. there. Yeah. So we connected through him, and we were only like talking through the phone and shit like that. And um, we never had a chance to, to actually get together in the studio and work. And a fucking hard drive crash. God damn. With four smokers that the world would never hear. Yeah. <laughs> Word. Who can we blame on? You know. Jesus. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I don't think Jesus. that we're the right guys to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feels like. You can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who do we want to blame? Though? Who do you yeah. want to blame? I don't know. <laughs> Trump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fuck Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's go back to the very, very beginning. Where are you originally from? Uh, Jamaica, Queens, and Jamaica the Island. My whole family, I'm ja- actually Jamaican. Right on. And then Jamaica, Queens. And what was growing up in Jamaica, Queens like? Um, Like any other hood, man. It's bad. Motherfuckers. Get, you know what's sad? Like, recently, probably last year, 1230, in the daytime, somebody got shot and killed in front of my car. Jesus. Like, last year. I was like, damn. I think they still killing each other out here like this? So you walked out and, like, there was, like... It was a crime scene. I couldn't even walk yeah. to my car. I was there, it was parked for, like, four days. Like, he died, like, by my back tire. I was like, maybe I should sell this car. Maybe it's bad car. I don't fucking yeah. know. Yeah. I know ass. this is, like, the, the least uh, concerning part of this, but, right. like, how did you get around? <laughs> oh, I have a Jeep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just took that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but the car was dead-ass stuck with cones around it for four days. My, my aunt was on the news talking. I was like, man, get your ass back in the house. <laughs> You ain't see nothing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Go inside them. You know, I'm Jamaican. Should I go inside them? You know, they came outside and go inside and <laughs> sleep. You saw nothing. Yeah. So, or, what did you want to do as a kid? Um, I wanted to be a doctor, actually. Yeah, I was going to St. John's and I was going to uh, medical school. I was going to be a fucking doctor. 
Wait, you somehow this hip hop thing got in the way. Yeah, wait, <laughs> you were you wanted to be a doctor. Um, how far along did that go? I was I went to college for like three years studying physical science. Wow, and I was dead ass going to be a doctor, and then somehow this hip hop shit got in the way. Yeah, I don't but know where does the medical stuff like come in? Do you have any relatives who were doctors, and you were like, that's um, what I want to do? Yeah, my cousin is a chiropractor, um, in Miami. He was actually Bob Marley's chiropractor. And then uh, my cousin is Jack Hure, the reggae singer. He was his chiropractor. And he did a bunch of like celebrities and shit. Wow. And um, I just wanted to go into medicine. Word. How big was your family growing up? My family's huge. Yeah? Huge family. All poor as shit. Like my my mother has nine siblings. Oh. And her, grand, her, her my grandmother has, I don't even know how many. My family's big as shit. If I asked you to name all your cousins... Don't ask me. <laughs> not gonna have it. It'd not, be impossible. Not, not going to go well. I don't like it. And, and all her siblings had kids. I'm my only child. I'm the only one. Yeah. All of her siblings, like my aunts and uncles, all of them got mad kids. So my shit is stupid. It's like a village. Yeah. So did or, your your um, mom wanted you to be a doctor? Is that like I mean, the, the the typical like immigrant story where it's just like yeah, you, everybody's mom wants their son to be a doctor or a yeah. lawyer? Be a doctor or a lawyer. So I was gonna be a doctor. And it's funny because I was doing an internship in the hospital and I was like, I don't like sick people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do this shit. But I was going to do it because I just felt like I was supposed to. You know, the college student, you go to school, you know what the fuck you're doing with your life. Yeah. You just do what you feel you're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. So I was doing what I thought I was supposed to do. So you went to St. John's. Yeah. Did you commute there? Uh, or yeah. did you stay on campus? St. John's is in, is in Jamaica, Queens. Yeah. So I could damn near walk there from my crib. Yeah. So you were I, already living there. <laughs> I was always, yeah, yeah, I was already there. I was on campus, but at my crib. Yeah. Like, was there any thought hurt. that maybe you would go to like another school, another city, anywhere um, else? I didn't even apply for anywhere else. I just wanted to go to St. John's. So your, your shit was just going to stay super local. Yeah. I was, I'm going to St. John's. Fuck it. I, I, I don't think I applied for another school. I applied for that, got in, and um, that was that. Yeah. So an only child growing up. Mm-hmm. Were you uh, super close with your with your folks? Uh, me and my mom was like this. Yeah. My dad wasn't around like that. Um, and then he kind of came back into my life when I was like 15, 16. How was that? It was cool because I felt like we were really bonding and getting close to each other. And then, unfortunately, he got murdered across the street from where I was staying at. How did you find out? I saw it. Unfortunately. Um, you saw your dad get murdered in front of you? Yeah. And the human brain is so ill that I don't remember any of it. None of it. I don't remember. It feels like I saw a picture. I don't fucking know. It feels like it didn't really happen. Even to this day, I don't think I really dealt with it. It doesn't feel like it actually happened. How old were you when like this 15, happened? 15, 16. So you, oh, so this is right after you guys started to reconnect? Really, yeah. Right after we really started to bond and reconnect. And um, after it happened... My brain blocked it out. I went to school the next day and nothing happened. Everybody's like, are you okay? My only recollection of what happened that whole entire week is what people told me happened. I don't remember shit. Like, I don't. Your brain is interesting what it does to keep you safe. Yeah. I don't remember a thing. To this day, I don't remember shit. It feels like I don't remember what I read in the papers. People tell me. I don't remember anything. Dead ass. Not the funeral. Not. I remember, I remember the funeral. I remember the court. I went to court and when they convicted the killer who was my fucking neighbor, which is crazy. Um, I remember that. I remember wanting to jump over the fucking bandits and kill that nigga. I remember that. Um, and that's it. I don't remember anything else. He shot him and his friend. And my dad didn't see it coming. He died with a smile on his face with his hands in his pocket. His friend tried to run and got hit in the back. And I remember I remember the newspaper article writing that shit like it was a fucking comic story. I was like, this shit didn't go like this. This is bullshit. 
I remember that, and I remember the court and the funeral. Wait, you mean like a, like a like a superhero sort of thing? They, they just made it a story. That's what yeah. the, the media does. Like I remember that was my first uh, experience realizing how full of shit in general media is. I was like, they made it a super story. I was like, the fuck is this shit? This is not it. But does it give you as a 15, 16 year old, 17 year old in that time, does it give you an idea of how like quick things can turn? Absolutely. It makes you value things more. It also makes you numb. Like at that time, I didn't feel shit for a long time. I think I'm detached from emotion, period. I got a shitload of issues that I still got to work out. You know, you're 15. How, how do your friends react? You said that they were like, you know, checking I never, in on you and everything. I never spoke about it until music. Like, Damage is Done, that song was like the first time I fucking spoke about it. And then when I listened back to those old records, I was like, damn, I was angry. Like, the way I describe the, the, the occurrence is just a lot of anger and aggression. Like, I saw somebody the other day, somebody the other day asked me if I would make a Damage is Done part two, and I was like, nah, I couldn't. I'm not as angry. I'm not, I'm grown, still fucking nuts, but I'm not an angry kid. I was super detached from emotion back then. Super, like, not in tune with what I was feeling with most things except anger. I understand why motherfuckers be so mad because you're so mad at so many things that happen in your life. You don't know how to express it. And for me, the music was definitely an outlet. To this day, I don't think I ever really verbally expressed true emotion about it except for the music. Like my mom said it, like, yo, you only talk about it in the music. You don't say shit. Are you okay? I was like, probably not, but you know. So your guys' relationship in that moment like had to become like super close my mom's? Yeah. We were always close, though. Like, my mom is, like, that's my only child, so you know how that goes. And I'm Jamaican, so just culturally, family, mothers, sons, and shit, they just really tight-knit, you know what I mean? So, we were always close. Did you guys move from where we after were? that? That was my aunt's house. She, mm. she stayed there. And it was, that was he, he got murdered across the street. It was the neighbor that lived in that house. My dad was visiting the dude. It wasn't even beef like that. I'm like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So, um, yeah, she stayed there for a couple and then retired and moved to Florida. Um. Yeah, we still still on our side of Queens, for real, for real. So you you finished off high school, and you have this this. Are you driven to to go and live the rest of your life, or like who are you in in that that, in that time? moment? Yeah. Um. I think I was. Um. See, at that time too, you're you're growing into a man and figuring out what kind of man you want to be, who you want to be. I'm still in the hood. I'm like the best of both worlds. I'm like hood, but I'm still kind of balanced with smart nerd shit so i'm like in the middle and figuring it out and around that time i think i went all the way left i was all the way in the street and just playing with guns and all this other shit at that time because i just didn't value life the same and i felt not my own life i didn't feel suicidal i just felt like i would have done anything at that time right yeah i didn't feel connected to most things and i could i didn't that i understand that now looking back as an adult living in it i just felt more reckless yeah like i remember beefing with dudes in my neighborhood one time and literally being in a shootout <clears throat> and feeling like i couldn't get hit like i'm they shooting at the car i'm shooting back and i i just remember it felt like a video game it didn't feel like i could get hurt in that situation at all i just remember that feeling like it didn't feel like like something could actually happen shit didn't feel real i'm shooting back it didn't feel like i go to jail right didn't feel like any consequence would happen it just didn't I was detached from the shit. Apart from that, was there any way for you to express yourself? Was there, did you, did you write? Did you like rap? Did you? I was writing. I was writing then too. I was rapping then. I, but I wasn't talking about that per se, but I was just rapping. And I think that in general was just 
therapeutic. Yeah. Or well, else, I mean, what, what what were you rapping about? Just shit that I'm seeing, shit yeah. that's going on in my neighborhood. And I guess my feelings are coming out in some kind of way. But it was still witty and shit like that. So it yeah. wasn't really emotionally driven. But it was just the fact that I'm writing about shit. Just writing. You know what I mean? Like Nas was the first rapper that influenced me to actually want to write. Because I realized, besides the fact that he's immensely talented and Illmatic was fucking retarded. He was the first rapper that I realized was rapping about the shit that was happening in the neighborhood. Like I'm like, oh, it sounds like he's looking out his window and rapping about the shit he's seeing. And I'm like, I see the same shit outside of my window. So I started to write about what I was seeing and feeling through the music that way. Did it mean much more because he's from Queens too? Um, probably, yeah. I identify with him for that reason as well. Yeah, definitely. But without the music, I don't know. I think anytime you go through something traumatic to that extent, you have to find an outlet to express it or you're going to be a fucking basket case. So where did you see music going at that point? Or was it just sort of like something on the side? I was just doing it to do it. Um, Were you graph? Yeah, I was. Yeah. But I was graph from art. I used to spray paint and draw and do shit like that. So it was really? like it was like graphics, graph dash. X. Yeah, yeah. I would spray paint and draw shit. Like my, I could. I wish I brought my drawings. I was nice. Yeah. yeah. I was just as good at art as I was at putting words together. Like it was. If I, I got a scholarship for fucking um, to like, the Brooklyn Museum for art, and it was supposed to be like a college credit, but I fucked it up because I didn't take it serious. Because you were nice at art, and you were gonna go into medicine. Yeah. Man. I went into medicine. Yeah. I went to St. John's for physical science. Like I was going to fucking pursue medicine and be a doctor of some sort and do that. Did Wait, you, what's something that you were not good at as a kid? Was I not good at? Yeah. Like, I'm not good at, like, darts. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. What was I not good at? Is um, that true? I'm not good at darts. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can hit the wall. <laughs> I never played darts, but shit. Um... I mean, I played a lot of sports and I was good at a lot of them. I got trophies in soccer, fucking yeah, yeah, baseball. Yeah, no, what were you Actually, not what good did at? What I suck at? I <laughs> fucking sucked at what? Were you a good driver? Like, were you? I was a good driver. Mm -hmm. By the way, I was um, so not good at sports, or I like, didn't do any sports, that um, I bought all these trophies on eBay. <laughs> that, uh, so I would feel like a winner. <laughs> Which is like one of my favorite bits that nobody sees. Yeah, that's but hilarious. it is an actual thing. Yeah, yeah that's hilarious. Yeah. What the fuck did I suck at in school? Um, or in life? <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. sure I suck at a bunch of shit. Wait, 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 wait. Only child, were you bad at sharing? Ooh. I'm probably still bad. I always hear selfish. <laughs> You're so selfish, <laughs> fucking, fucking guy. Where would you tag shit? On walls, wherever I could. Yeah. <laughs> Bathroom stalls, fucking train, bus. Did you yeah. put your block as well? or so it was Just like my graph. name. I would write graph X and just um, highlight it with like a crown and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, I used to love that shit. What was the most dangerous like place? Like, did you hang off like a ledge or anything? I never went that hard. Nah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. when I see taggers do that shit, I respect it because yeah. I never did that crazy shit. Like inside the train, nah. I'm yeah, like, yeah, 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 fuck yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm bugging, but right. I respect it when yeah, I see yeah. it. But I ain't doing that extra shit. Yeah, I like, just... bathroom wall is fine. But cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, fourth I, floor story, no. <laughs> no. Nah, nah, I ain't hanging off a of shit. Bridges, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. None of that. But just walls and shit like that. Wherever I, I just felt like it was. A space to do it oh really i drew a lot like i bought canvases and I, I then i got into drawing on clothes like leather jackets and book bags and oh, shit. that's dope yeah like as a matter of fact i was gonna um recently too i was gonna get a uh you know art basel in miami yeah, yeah. i was gonna rent a space curate it and just hang my own shit up because i'd paint on mannequins and leather jackets and shit that would have been dope i'm probably gonna still do that but yeah i just didn't they wanted so much money for it i was like man fuck y'all yeah. <laughs> i'm not even trying to make a profit i just yeah. want to <laughs> just want to be a part of your art community sir <laughs> 
but that shit was mad expensive. So you graduate high school, you go to St. John's, yeah. you're gonna get into medicine, you're still rapping in college? Yeah. You Is know what's you, crazy? What? That's where the shit, that's where the whole uh, buzz and interest to actually take the career series happened at St. John's because I had a rapping partner back then, right? And he's always like, yo, let's do the talent show, let's do the talent show. I was like, nah, we never gonna win that shit in this school because that school was like, the rock bands and all the white music was winning. I was right. like, there's yeah. no way hip hop is going to win here. I was like, why even do it? I was like, nah, he's like, come on, we're going to win, man. Let's do this shit. I was like, fuck it, let's do it. And we fucking won. So you guys were a group? Yeah. Not like not a group, but a group. We were just rapping together and shit. Got it. And you we, wouldn't write together? Yeah, we would write together. It was like my man. We'd hang out, drink, smoke, I was yeah. on the block, all that stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I did all my bad shit with him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and then we started rapping together and, um, and we won the fucking talent show at St. John's. Then I, at that point, I was like, hold on. This is a real thing. This could really be a real thing. And then I was battle rapping with dudes on like BCAP, uh, public access TV at that time. And Busta Rhymes got wind of it. He started watching it. And was like, I forgot how he got he in contact. He does love battle raps. Yeah. yeah. This is way before like, it's like smack DVD era. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, somehow he got in contact with me. And I forgot how. Somebody at school said, yo, some Buster Rhymes sounded bad. I was like, what? I'm just, I'm just going to school. I'm not even thinking about no industry shit. And I ended up working with him some kind of way. And then- um, Where? Uh, I went to his studio, started fucking with him, and then following him around on their tours and shit like that. And then I started working with Hank Shockley. And, what? And writing for different artists. I started to get into the music industry without shopping demos and shit like that it just started to really happen yeah organic and, like you know buzz yeah yeah and i couldn't i couldn't balance the music shit in school oh i'm sure like i was falling asleep in class i wasn't turning in shit i got all incomplete my third year because i couldn't balance both of them shits i was like there's no way i could do both so i was like fuck the school shit well when you first meet bus right do you go in there and play the wall or are you just like you know you know, puff your chest up and you're like, yeah, I'm just on the same level too. Nah, nah, nah. I was a fan. I was young. I was fucking like 18, 19. I was still in school. I was like, oh shit, it's Busta Rhymes. I'm looking at this dude, jewelry, all this shit. He's a superstar. I was my first, I was my first encounter with somebody in the business. So I was like, oh shit. And he was talking to me like, yo, I'm a fan of your shit. Y'all crazy. Uh, da, da, da. So that shit was like mind blowing. At that age, I understand how kids get on young and lose it. Also, straight up, nothing like a pep talk from Buster Rhymes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he got on the phone with my mom's like, "What do you feed this boy? He's spitting fire." <laughs> Word to my mother. I'm like, "This is crazy." Like, it was like late night. Like, call your mom right now. I said, Mama Graph, what you feeding this boy? He's spitting fire. Dead ass. I was like, oh, shit. Did you different. do the patois for your mom? <laughs> he said, "Who, Buster?" Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember. My mother's mad Jamaican. Yo, so, I mean, so is Busta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He probably did. I, I don't know. I was blown. I was like, yo. yeah. She's like, oh, I feed him the oxtail. Like yeah, she <laughs> was crazy. Yeah. So, so you link up with him. You go on the road with him too. Kind of sort of not like an official tour. We were like following him around and shit. Yeah. And um, and um, yeah, I couldn't balance that shit in school. I was like, what do you think he respected about you? Like your voice, your pen, your just like I think it was energy. Just, I think it was the whole thing. Just. He respects the bars. He's like a fan of rap. Yeah. Him and Clark Kent were the first two people that yeah. I met in his business that they give a fuck about the culture. Shout out to Clark Kent. They give a fuck about bars. Yo. And so my influences early on were great. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I used to come to Clark Kent's studio early on around that same time and just rap. He'd be like, just rap, just go. <laughs> Battle dudes and just rap and just, it was just, it was, the feeling was great. They would just all want to just say, just go, just rap. They couldn't get enough of just the hip hop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that, 
molded how how I felt about the shit too. Then I, then when I saw when I saw it becoming real, I'm like, hold on, like this is a real thing because I wasn't shopping demos and shit and yeah. chasing. I was going to school. I didn't think I was gonna be a famous rapper. Well, what was your fa- what was your first check? Um, probably working with 88 Keys. We did that record, Keep It Gangsta, and his manager gave me a check for the whole thing. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. He was like, hey, you know, I'll give you this check. You sign all of the, all these rights to this record. Yeah. I was like, well, that money right there right now? <laughs> fuck it. It's yours. <laughs> First time I got dirked. But I at that age, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm a, so I sign this paper and take this money right now? That's what you're trying to tell me? He's like, yeah. I was like, maybe I should read it. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Fucking 18. I'm if like, you're 18, 19, 20, are you on your own? Are you at just that time? around to go to... You know each situation, and you're just like, man, I'm here to work. I'm here to like. You just at that at that age, you're just working and loving the fucking music, and you fucking young and stupid. It's about weed, liquor, women, your friends, rap. It's like it's not. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a job. It's fun. Yeah. So I made that record in fun at 88's crib in the studio in the crib studio, and this dude gives me a check for this shit. I'm like, this is fantastic. That's how you get jerked as a kid because you don't know what you're doing at all. I didn't right. know what the fuck I was doing. Right. I signed whatever the fuck it was. It's like, are you gonna marry bread right now? Yeah. <laughs> Straight to the block with this. Peace. You feel like you won at the time, but it's like, you know, people will buy your rights. There's no for no problem. I'll buy motherfucker rights for no problem. That's just the na- that's the nature of business. Were you recording stuff too, or were you just writing? I was and recording. Rapping. Yeah. Like me and 88 were making shitloads of music. I'm sure we made an album. I don't remember everything, but we made a bunch of shit that we released and shit that he probably still got that we never released. So Thinking back at this time, you're you're burning CDs. You're like, definitely you know tapes, all that shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you looking for representation? Were you looking to you know hopefully sign with the label? Was there any plan that you had at that time when it just started to get real? Yeah, because I signed by '88. It was like a production thing. So right. We were like, uh, I don't want to say business partners. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I signed with Eight as a um, I guess an artist in a, in a production situation. So at this time, once you start signing shit, paperwork and recording for real and mixing and mastering and learning the business, then shit gets real. And even through 88, I met Kanye. And me and Kanye got cool. I used to go to Kanye's crib and make records. When he was living in uh, New Jersey. In Jersey City, yeah. yeah. What's crazy, you know what Kanye doesn't know? He taught me how to count bars and has no fucking idea. You were Dead just ass. you were just going on for like forever a billion bars. <laughs> so he played a beat and record. Yeah, that's Clark's I'm, fault, right? Because he's yeah. just like, "Yo, keep going." Like I just didn't know. They yeah, probably didn't know. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. I'm like, I'm just rapping and shit. So I'm at Kanye's crib. We make we were cutting records and shit. And um, he was recording this one joint, and um, I remember rapping for like maybe fifty fucking bars. <laughs> and he was like, "You know, sixteen bars is like way back there." I was like, yeah. "Where at? <laughs> yeah, when does the hook come in?" Yeah. <laughs> So when he showed me where it was at, I didn't know how to count. I just felt where 16 was. I was like, oh, all right, I got you. Got you. So from that, I started to understand how to feel out with 16 bars. And because I didn't want to admit that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Run. I got this, my nigga. Just right there. Yeah, I know. So then I did it again. I was like, oh, okay, that's 16 bars. Got it. Because I didn't, I had too prideful to admit it then. But um, yeah, so he taught me how to count bars. I don't even fucking know it. Were you rolling around with anybody, or was it just you going to all these places by yourself? Mainly me. What's up with my friends? Probably with some of my friends, but mainly just me. Like I used to go to Kanye's Crib Dolo, yeah, or bring girls, whatever the fuck. This yeah. is like back when he was um H to the Izzo, Kanye. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that's so why, when the tattoo still had to be like filled in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He was, actually he got the tattoo then when I was I was around him. Like I know him. Like we cool like, yeah. yeah were you meeting like uh like glc and like consequence and all, all them niggas guys? Yeah, yeah all those guys yeah, yeah. oh we all cool 
uh, consequence was from around my way. He's from yep. the north side of Queens, yep. but like five minutes from where I stay. Um, GLC, I know him. All of, all those dudes was around yeah. then. Yeah, I I don't know if I met Ron Festo, but the rest of them they was all around. Like, yeah. So when I see Kanye go on rants and do passionate shit, like I know him. He's right. a passionate dude. Yeah, he's not acting. He's not joking. He's fucking dead ass serious. He always been like that. He used to go on rants back then, like, why can't I buy a sweater that costs $2,000 if I like it? Like, buy that shit, my nigga. <laughs> buy that shit, bro. Like, and this is like, we used to argue about uh, fame and rap back then, because he was like, I want to be a rapper, but he wanted to be a rapper for the face value. And because right. he had something to offer. Sure. But he really wanted the face value. And I said, like, man, I could have the same girl as Jay-Z with that bread. I don't need no fucking fame. He was like, nah, son, you need the fame. <laughs> He just, he just, it's just a mad shit. But he's, <laughs> he's him. He's so him. He ain't acting. What were you wearing back then? Two thousand dollars sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> were you wearing like triple X t shirts? Triple X um, iceberg like, sweaters. Oh, I was, iceberg? First, I was a low head, all mm-hmm. polo, and then when, when, oh, that's when ice, you and ADA connected. Got it. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was all polo back then, and then when iceberg came around, I started to trade polo pieces for iceberg and get into that. Yeah. That's when I started hustling, you know, all of the street shit, because Iceberg was $500 sweaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fucking 18. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, guess I'm going to have to sell these drugs, because I'm wearing them sweaters. Well, was so anybody in medical school dressed as well as you? Back then, nah. In, in college, I was like, St. John's is a fashion show. I was, It was probably me and this other dude that were like competing for the number one cool guy space. <laughs> and we were like rivals. All the girls were like, well, I don't like each other. <laughs> Fuck that nigga. You fly to me. Well, what'd your mom think in this whole time too? Because like I'm sure she was like, My son is going to medical school and he's gonna be a doctor, and then you're like, I am gonna go hang out with Buster and eighty eight and Kanye. She looked at it as failure at first. Did you tell her? Nah, I just oh, yeah. I just couldn't. You let it be a surprise. <laughs> yeah, a rude awakening that surprise. Yeah. She was not feeling that shit at all in the beginning. <clears throat> she was tight. Because she used to brag about, oh, my son's going to St. John's, he's a college yeah. student, and blah, blah, blah. I had my first car, I'm driving to campus, all this little fake bougie shit. <laughs> Fresh out the hood and bringing all these ghetto niggas to my school and all that. But I was doing well. My grades is always good. Like, yeah, I was yeah, just always yeah. a smart kid. So she was proud of that. I used to brag about that. And my mom's a hairdresser, so she's around up my women bragging about her son that's going to school to be a doctor and shit. And then I drop out and I do music and then you don't make any money with music for mad long. But you also don't make money as a doctor for mad long. So, you know, same <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I'm you still should have told grass mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, should have been your lawyer. Yeah, yeah right? You're about to call right now like, look, yeah. mom. <laughs> yeah, but, Jeff would be like bust on the phone. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, okay, so you're running around with everybody. What is the What is the first time you're just like, yo, Past that check, past that first like 88 Keys check, what's the first time you're like, yo, I think this is, my message is really resonating with people or like, yo, people really fuck with me just like they fuck with like all these other professionals. After, um, it was after the Busta, after the Kanye, after the 88, it was, a, it was when um, K Slay started to play my shit. I got down with Black Hand. It was, they were always in my life, like Chaz, shout out to Chaz, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, yeah. legendary dude. Yes. Um, after they came into play, and then um, business-wise, because they was always around, but we never did business. So once it became business, and we started to actually push music, because even back then, DJs weren't trying to play a new artist. Right. I had a few freestyles that, that the same ones that buzzed. Then some DJ were like, "Well, can you put somebody else on it?" And I'll play it. I'm like, "Why? It's the same shit. Just fucking me. Just play it. See what happens." And that's why I have to commend K. Slade because he was the first person to just say, "Oh, it's hot. I'm playing it." 
and he played that shit on the radio, and the city went fucking crazy. The first one he played that shit, the jails went crazy, the city went crazy. Then I started, he started putting them on his tapes, and that shit started this whole inertia, snowball shit, and it went retarded. So, how did your music get to Slay in the first place? Uh, somebody that Chaz knew brought it to him, and then Slay heard it and liked it. So I fuck with it. I'm playing it. There was no politics. He's just like, I'm playing the shit. And that shit went crazy. Like, dead ass. The first one he played was crazy. I remember first hearing myself on the radio. It was nuts. So you, you waited up and, like, listened oh, to the whole absolutely. show? absolutely. Yeah, like, absolutely. Wednesday night, High 97. Yep. He played that shit, and me and my hood, my niggas is outside. Car, door open. That shit played. It felt surreal. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm on the fuck. Dead ass. I'm yeah, like, no, yeah. for real. Life changing. When you first hear your voice on the radio, it's like, this is really happening. But you know it's funny for the, it was like a four minute freestyle. The first two minutes, I felt nothing because I'm nuts. So I, I was <laughs> empty, just like, oh shit, I'm on the radio. And then towards the end of the shit, I was starting to feel like, oh shit, I'm on the radio. Yeah, but it's also like you know a lot of competing emotions, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, but that's that's your first time freestyling on on the radio. That's the first time with my voice being heard on the radio. Yeah, yeah, but when you're up there, right? Mm. Because you recorded it at High 97, right? Nah, I recorded it in the studio. Send it a freestyle. Got it, got it, got it, got it. My got first it. time I got on the radio was like college radio. I went with Kanye and Killer Touch. You know Killer Touch? Yeah, yeah of course. That's the homie. Yeah, yeah he, he brought me and Kanye to some college radio, and we was going crazy up there. And then when I started to go to radio with um, Slay, I brought I brought Kanye there, too, to High 97 to freestyle and shit. He actually freestyled, um, the fuck is that? The Gold Digger record. Really? Yeah, back then. That's wild. I brought him up there, yeah. Kanye's a rapping ass dude too. No, for real. Don't get it confused. Like when his jaw was wired, yeah, and he couldn't and he couldn't even talk. He would still call me and mumble a hundred bars, dead ass. Like yo, listen to this. And verse. you're like, yo, 16's back there. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 dead ass though. He would call and just spit jaw wired, still rapping new verses to me. Like he was, he's a rapping ass rapper. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like he's a rapper, dead ass. How about when uh, when Kanye, do you remember when he did um, the remix for Can't Tell Me Nothing? Mm-hmm. And he was just like, uh, he referenced K-Slay and he was like, because K-Slayed him, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. That See? Was fire. He's on his shit. He's on yeah. his shit. Yeah. He's a rapper. I, like, I respect the culture. I'm like about this shit, man. Like, I care about the culture and hip hop and where it's going and what it means to people. I just give a fuck. Yeah. So, okay. So you're working real hard at at getting your music in different places and being on the radio and you finally get on the radio, are you also touching stages around the city? Um, yeah, I started doing shows and stuff. Where at? It, um, mostly colleges and like small clubs, spots in the hood. Cause at that time I don't know the business and I didn't really want to be famous in the beginning. I just wanted to fucking rap. Yeah. I really just wanted to rap. I didn't want the fame. It took me a while to really say, okay, you gotta be, it comes with it. Well, in the, in the model it. of like who? Like who is somebody who is like, a rapper that you respected that maybe didn't get his due and like wasn't famous now or then back then, then. um well believe it or not back then you know who i was listening to royce and m on college radio wow they were not famous like yeah. stretching bobito type of shit the underground underground i was listening to royce i was listening to m i thought they were fucking like gods i was listening to natural elements so you just and they went to my school remember natural elements yeah they went to st john's too so, so you I just was, i was like on this rap underground shit so that's what I was listening to. They weren't famous at all. Yeah. So double entendres, triple entendres, like fucking all that shit. As many yeah. syllables as you can put in there. That's where like my style was born. Like listening to them and uh, early Nas and Jay and I wasn't even into Tupac then and then later Biggie. But that's what those Did were you my influences. Did you choose sides during the? I mean, like you. 
I mean, Tupac and Biggie, I guess you yeah. obviously everybody chose sides, but like during uh, Jay Z and Nas, did you choose sides? Um, because we stopped listening to Nas during that whole or, time. Yeah. yeah, like who are we? Yeah, like, we're just like yo, nobody. fuck Nas. Like, <laughs> like not even gonna like if his shit comes on the radio, like change it. Like you know, nah, I didn't choose sides. <laughs> I was in both of them, but I was. I mean, I was rooting for Nas because he's from Queens. Right, but yeah, right. Jay influenced my style just as much as Nas. I was into them dudes. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Just picking they shit apart and learning how to formulate who I was through listening to them guys. They were great to me. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't really choose sides then. I was just enjoying the music and the battle and the, just the essence of it. Yeah. And putting myself in their shoes. Like, if I was him, I'd have done this. Or if I was him, I'd have said this. Because yeah. at this time, I'm ready for war. I'm like, yeah. somebody say my name, please. I can kill one of you niggas. <laughs> So I'm like that at this time. So I wasn't really choosing sides. Who, what other artists were around you back then? Like in terms of like on those, on those shows, like on different stages. Wow. Who the fuck was around then? Um, probably nobody that I can remember then. But when I, a little later, like Cassidy, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Poos. Mm-hmm. Saigon maybe. Saigon was around. All the early lyricists yeah, out of yeah. New York, Joe Button. Yep. Who else? Um, what was your first time meeting Joe like? Kind of bad because um, at that time everybody was like, "Oh, he jacked your style and all this yep. shit." So then we had this little bullshit rivalry, but it wasn't beat. It was just like rap, yeah, shit. And the, what made it bad for me is because the label I was at, Sony, they signed me because they felt, "Oh, he's so original." And then they said, "Well, if somebody else sounds like him, he's not that original anymore." So if the deal wasn't done already, they wouldn't have signed it. So I was like, I was furious. I'm like, hold on, I lost a deal because of this shit? That's really how they was on it. They was like, well, if somebody else sounds like you, then what do we need you for? Who signed you at Sony? <clears throat> Dave McPherson. And how did that come to be? I was on fire. Yeah. It was me and 50, the hottest in the city at that time. Queens. So I was like a bidding war. Like I was turning down deals and shit. And they just offered me a shitload of money. And I was so young. I was like, half a million dollars? Great. Where do I sign? They outbid everybody at that time. Yeah, and so did you? Um, you went to all these meetings. Chaz was with you. Yeah. What was the? Were there any close competitors to Sony? Like uh, at that time, I think Capital, but but Sony offered the most bread and sold the most dreams. Like we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. And they didn't do shit. Was there but any? Were there any black executives? Then no. After Dave McPherson, Eric Nix took that position, I believe. But um, not that I recall in that building. Plus, I remember I'm new to the business. I didn't yeah. know a lot of shit, so I'm I'm learning what's what, who's who, and all of this shit. Yeah. So that's my first that's my first impression was not black executives. But there was what I don't know. I don't don't want to misquote anybody. I just know he was in the hot seat. Was what is Dave? He's mixed, I think though. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's white. I don't know. But, but I know Dave, I think Eric Nix took that position after he got fired. He got fired for some fucking scam shit. So. And being up there, mm-hmm. was that like, you know, a dream come true even before anything else would happen? Yeah. I mean, to, like, get, oh, to get a record deal, building, yeah. to get a record deal at that time, especially the size deal I got was great. And I, we, like, I was on fire at that time. Like, I mean, that was my first taste at being num- number one at something. Like at that time, I was the number one guy in the street on the mixtape. It was me and Fifty. In terms of like the mixtape, the lyricist, I was the number one dude. And that's when I learned like people talk this number one shit. You don't want to be number one. That shit was real hard <laughs> to become number one, and what was harder than that to stay number stay one. Stay number one. Yeah. yeah. People talk this number one shit. Motherfuckers is not built for number one. 
that shit was fucking difficult. So that means that every DJ is hitting you up. That means you're doing appearances, spot dates, like everything. Life yeah. is different when you're number one. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the fuck it is, I don't care if you're number one racquetball player. <laughs> like shit is different when you're number one, dog. It's just different. What do your friends think when you're number one? I mean, they ha- everybody's happy. Everybody's yeah. on cloud nine. Yeah. Everybody wants to see you stay. But here. you just felt like there were a lot of people like coming at you because you were. Yeah, and and yeah. The, I had to outwork myself to stay number one. Yeah, because people want that spot. It's, number one is a real small spot. You know what I'm saying? So it was like I was busting my ass to stay there. You know what I mean? I was working my ass off, but it was worth it. Yeah. But um, it's just work. So, I, I feel I'm built to be number one at whatever the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. But in general, human beings in general are not built to be number one at whatever the fuck it is. They just think they are until they get there. You're like, oh, this shit is real. <laughs> I ain't know it was going to be like this. That's what you asked for. That's what you asked for. You got to really know what you asked for in this life because you will get that shit. You Word. get in the building. Do things change? Um, Yeah. I mean, we got a shitload of bread. That was the first thing. So um, when you get um, two things that change. One, when you get a lot of money and you're young, you realize that, at least in urban schools, they don't teach you what to do with money. You don't learn what to do with money. You think you know what to do with money until you actually have a fucking bag in your hand. Oh, I'm going to open a laundromat. I'm going to invest in these stocks. Yeah, but you didn't learn shit about stocks in school. You got to learn how to boss up on your own. Nobody teaches you what to do with money. They teach you how to go fill out an application and go be a fucking employee. They don't teach you how to be a boss. So once you get enough money to hire and be your own boss, you're like, what the fuck do I do now? I had to figure that shit out quick. I made a shitload of mistakes, but I tried. I tried to invest in mutual stocks and I bought a house. I went and fucking leased this big stupid Hummer. That was the worst investment ever. That was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know better because I'm just figuring this shit out on my own. Nobody's guiding me financially as to what to do with $100,000. Yeah. Well, what and I'm did, fucking what was 18, he was saying, go get the truck. Fuck it, get it. Because yeah. <laughs> like, the money's going to keep coming. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it feels like a faucet turned on is never going to stop. Yeah. You don't know, and you just... He was learning as well, too. I, we learned together. But he learned... He was, of course, a wise, older person, period. Yeah. But in terms of the music shit, we were both learning. We were both learning, you know what I'm saying, as we went along and shit. So we didn't know what to fucking actually do or what to actually ask for. Like At that time, you know how many records I wrote for people and did not get my publishing? Because we didn't really know what we were doing. I wrote a shitload of records for people and got jerked crazy. Really? Yeah. Damn. You know what record I wrote on that was big as shit? Remember that um, J-Lo and LL song? That all I love is all I yeah. have. Me and another writer wrote that whole shit in my studio. And I was on the record at first. And they took me off the fucking song and put LL on it. Queens. <laughs> yeah, Queens. How does that how does that come to be though? Are, are you you're aware of where it's gonna go? Not at all. We just write we didn't I don't know if we knew it was for J Lo. We were just writing a song to sit to shop to sell. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when they took it, um what did we know it was for J Lo? I don't remember. But when I, I was so focused on the fact they took me off the record, I didn't fight for the fact that I wrote the rest of the shit too. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't get any credit. And there's a shitload of records like that that at that time I wrote or had a hand in writing that I didn't get any You just take for. that L? LL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the double L. Yeah. Because I didn't know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But do you just think that's the way of the world? The nature of business is people will pay you to keep you stupid. And people will use you for your energy. And you got to figure that shit out on your own. Yeah. And oh, let they somebody... gave you something just to... Well, yeah. um, I mean, they, they, they didn't pay me for that particular work, but they just did other shit to pacify it. And it's like, go away. Yeah. It's sort of like the same thing that happened with like TLC, where it's just like, hey, like, you know, I know you you want... The, the check that we've been promising you, but here's a car. And it's like, sure, it's not really the same thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I do need to drive somewhere. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd rather be paid in information any day because that is what they keep from you. People will use you for your energy and hide information and give you a bag. Fuck your bag. 
the it, the money is in the information. Nobody's trying to share that with you. They be like, "Here, take this money, though." You know what I'm saying? So you learn that as you go along, but you have to figure that out on your own. So I figured that out, but way later, years later, I was like, "Oh, y'all abusing me here." Yeah, yeah, using me for my energy and resources and influence, and then be like, "All right, cool, we good." In that time, you do understand your talents, though, right? Definitely. You understand like how dope you are as a writer, how yes. dope you are as a spitter. You know that like you are the full package. I knew that. Do you think that your biggest competition be- beyond the industry mm-hmm. was yourself? Or- Absolutely. I got in my own way like a motherfucker because I was so sure of myself and so cocky and so confident and so <clears throat> at lack of actual information and understanding the business, the business. I just fucked up a lot of shit relationships opportunities i was just too into the fact that i was capable to do whatever so if you get approached to change your um product Mm -hmm. if if someone from the label or someone from management or a friend or someone you just meet who's another writer they they come through and they're like hey maybe you should switch it to this are you so heady that you're just like you're headstrong that you're like no we're gonna keep it my way and that held you back um or do you think you were open to collaboration and maybe that held you back i like think that you should have been more headstrong i think i was more headstrong then and not open to a lot of shit i felt i knew it all but i didn't i didn't but um and as a matter of fact i went through that the label was trying to change my sound and do different things and they were going too far left of who i was mm. who i already painted myself to be and who i wanted to go into who did they want you to sound like they wanted or- me to work with like b2k and shit like that i was like wow no, i'm not doing <laughs> that would have that. been a very different <laughs> that would have been a different graph yeah <laughs> a graph that we were not gonna be fucking with yeah i was like i'm not doing that fuck off so it was like now i'm the now i'm the one that's hard to work with but you get painted as that yeah, yeah. because i knew what i wasn't i knew i didn't know exactly what i was going into but i damn sure knew what the fuck i wasn't gonna be i was like i ain't gonna be that were you afraid that you had to answer to people back home who were just like, yo, you're switching up? Like, what if you did jump on that song um, and you're like, no, 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 I'm the same person, but I'm just trying to... Yeah, how close to the block were you when you were on? I was still in the street. I'm still in the street now. <laughs> but I wasn't really concerned what anybody would say. I was I was more concerned what I thought. I thought that shit was trash and I wasn't fucking with that. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing anything with them dudes. Like, that's not my lane. So I knew my lane. Even when I was trying to be more commercial later on in, in career, I knew... I wanted commercial success as well. Yeah. Like, my fan fans only want me to fucking rap. Spit a million bars, fuck a song. They don't really care. Me as an artist, I wanted to have the commercial success as like a fab or whatever the fuck. I wanted to be that. Yeah. Like, all the way. You know what I'm well, saying? Because you so, want something for all the stuff that you're putting out, right? Like, you don't just want the respect. Like, the respect right. goes a certain, you know, distance. After a while, you want the fame, the accolades, you want the awards, you want the plaques, you want, you want all the same shit your competitors Magazine have. So you still, yeah. All that shit. You're still competing for the same space as these people. You still stand next to them in a club. You still in the studio with them. You still yeah. want to feel and it's like how I've, just, you I've feel. been doing as much as you guys, but you but you don't get as much for it. So I, I told or you, or more, that. yeah, because we were kind of like blackballed a little bit at that time. Right. So, so it was like I'm working three times as hard just to stay as relevant. Well, when did that? Because I, I know that um, you felt like Fifty had sort of like because of his relationship with Chaz, like that sort of leveled your career at a certain place. Um. Kinda, but it's it's not it's not. I don't. This is my personal opinion. The, the hood used to say that. Oh, he's blackballing y'all, shutting y'all down. I don't know if that's to be true or not. But 
I know because of the perception, what people thought, what people seen energy-wise between whatever they thought was what caused a lot of disconnect and a lot of the blackball and shit. So they were like, <clears throat> okay, something's going on with 50 and them. I don't know what it is, but we just not fucking with them. Fuck it. Yeah. So it's not about 50 doing anything directly. It's just people's perception. Yeah. They're like, all right, if there's any kind of issue, we don't understand it. We don't want to understand it. Just fuck them dudes. And that's just kind of what it was. So Did you I, I have to any deal with that. relationship with Ja on the other side of things? Yeah, we was cool. We weren't like super close. Right. Like, but we were cool. I worked with Irv and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? So... I never worked a job, but I, I know I did records with Herb and shit. But yeah, actually, we didn't even get so um, you knew you knew Chaz from just like being around the way. But how did you get to? How did you pick him as your manager? Um, I think I just grew into that shit, man. Because Chaz was always just close to me, and I just grew into that. He was always doing the music shit. I wasn't chasing music in a real way. I was going to school. Yeah, and then when I realized this shit is real, I started to take it serious. Like. After you start making money from it, and I mean, it's always a dream, but it was just a dream. I was going to school for other things. Um, it grew, it grew into that shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Chad just always—he was always more like a father figure than a manager. Yeah. So we just we just grew like that. You know what I'm saying? Or when you were signed to your deal, was there any part of you that was like, I understand the idea of putting free content out there? I over understood that, <laughs> which means I wasn't selling shit. I wasn't making money because everything was free. I was just dumping freestyles and doing all this free shit. So we weren't making, we weren't capitalizing financially off the music. But right. I was hot as shit. Yeah, hella content, no money. Would that mean more shit. live shows though? Like put more content out there, it gets more attention, and, and then, then you like, get it on the back end. Yeah, to yeah. an extent, yeah. But just the the, the business part, the metadata and the fucking actual publishing and all the things that intellectual property wise that where you actually make money in this business that was happening well you right. also came Everything around at like a weird free. time because it was like the end of mixtapes into the beginning of the internet yeah and so it's like a lot of just like were you heavy on myspace yeah yeah <laughs> did you did you ever hear myspace jump off that song yeah, yeah. so who was in your top eight do you remember i don't know I, <laughs> girls and friends yeah, I yeah, yeah. tom yeah tom. oh tom was the homie yeah <laughs> But let me say this though, I made a song called MySpace Jump Off, just fucking around. Yeah. Like, I wasn't even serious. I made a whole nother song on that beat and I did, I did MySpace Jump Off as a joke. And my man was like, nah, put this one out. Fuck the other one you're doing this beat. Put this out. And I was like, nah, man, that's not even, I'm not even serious. I was playing, but yeah. I understood the power of MySpace and that shit blew the fuck up. Well, isn't that like, like Mims too, right? Mims was just like, okay, I'm doing this, you know, this is why I'm hot as like, me joking on it and then yeah. it's like that becomes your defining right yeah to the point that art. we saw him perform that three times in a row yeah <laughs> you know in that was a big ass record form it was yeah. a huge, huge. Right. yeah so you're you're recording you're putting it out you're you're touching stages mm. you're feeling like the label's not connecting with your vision i wasn't signed with the myspace shit but i just did that no, that no sure sure after sony i don't fucking remember damn yeah, go ahead though. But but in that time too, there's this idea of if you're independent, you're not legit. Right. How much did that weigh on your soul? Um if the major doesn't work out, are you like, well shit, we gotta get on another major? What's crazy is that I was fortunate enough to have a lot of opportunities. Like my first deal with Sony, when that folded, I was not independent for too long, and then I ended up going to Rockefeller. No, was it Rockefeller? Yeah, we went to Rockefeller. That folded, then we went to Def Jam. That folded, then we went to Koch. So it was independent, but it was still, we still were like 
in a situation in a building so i because i always worked my ass off yeah always i always overdid it like yeah. whatever the, the fucking the the standard is i always went way beyond that shit work-wise so i always was relevant and always was a part of the curve when it changed or i was always in it because i worked so fucking hard was you know lenny s your your way into rockefeller nah dame was dame was dame Sinus. yeah dame bash Sinus to rock me and kanye at that time we we went at the same time i think nori went with us too at that time but it was me and kanye went um to the rock together at that time and that means that you were at baseline yep and you were amongst everybody yep all that shit what would you where would you fit in like because there's clear like delineations where it's like this is these are the state property hours Mm. these are like the um the j hours you know these are the diplomat hours what would you be doing at um, I, I didn't get a chance to actually fit in before the deal was over. I wanted to tour with them and mingle with them and all that shit. I didn't get to build really with any of them like that. So and it, it, it just and it was clickish, but I like I was still like admiring them dudes, and I didn't get to really get in all the way because the deal didn't last long. Like as soon as we got there, Jay and Dame was having the issues, and the deal went to shit. And then um, <clears throat> out of loyalty. We left with Dame because Dame brought us there. Yeah. So Dame Dash Music Group then over. At he Jeff created Dame? Dame Dash Music Group after Rockefeller. Yeah. They split. Yeah. And then we felt inclined to ride with Dame, like you know, fuck it. Dame brought us here. We riding with Dame. Yeah. Kanye said, "I'm riding with Jay." He's like, but Kanye was really into Jay. Yeah. Like as an artist, he and he felt a loyalty to Jay because he produced those records and he felt those records made his career. Yeah. So he felt obligated to ride with Jay. Yep. I felt obligated to ride with Dame. He, he brought us there. That's just who I was. Like I always took L's in life because of loyalty. That's just who the fuck I am. Whether it's a good or bad thing, that's how the good Lord wired me. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, and we went uh, to Def Jam mm-hmm. through Dame Dash Music Group. Yeah. Um, who were you working with over there? Shari Bryant? Um, What's ironic is that in the middle of that deal, Jay-Z took presidency. Yeah. So, and Jay's relationship with Dame remained the same. So, that deal got fucked up before we even stepped a foot in the building. Before the ink could drown that deal, was over. And then you're out looking for another deal. Yeah. Yeah. But what what was good is that because, like, remember back then they had those big power summits and shit like that in Puerto Rico? Yeah. So, we went to Puerto Rico on a Def Jam budget to perform as a Def Jam artist. So, because I performed for the whole fucking country as a Def Jam (laughs) artist... We, um, the lawyer made sure they cashed this out. Wow. Like, yeah, you got to pay them because you just sent him across the fucking country to perform as a Def Jam wow. artist. And now he gets back and the deal is gone. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, okay, now you're not on Def Jam, but you just branded yourself as, as Def Jam to literally every DJ in the fucking country. So they cashed this out. So we still got a check out of it. So we're not feeling the absence of not having a, the infrastructure of a label because I got like $70,000 or some shit. So I took that money, built a studio. Became self-sufficient. I bought cameras, studio, everything I needed to be my own engine. I was like, fuck everybody. I'm doing this myself. Taught myself to use fucking Pro Tools, all that shit. Okay. Doing, being your own everything is very difficult. Yeah. Like, writing for yourself, being your own promotional person, your own marketing person, your own, I don't know, maybe your own engineer, right? You're doing everything. everything. That ass. How do you who trusts so many other people, who's loyal to so many people, how do you own that and just focus and not give up? 
I'm not wired to give up. I don't know how to stop anything. I'm like, it's almost like a, um, it's like a gift and a curse because I can't chill. I mean, that, I can't relax. Like I'm dead that, ass. That's half true, right? Like, I like you, you gave up I, on medical school, right? Because you I, chose another thing. Yeah, but I didn't give a fuck about that the way I cared about music. Right. Like that was like I didn't. And most kids that go to college don't know what the fuck they're doing. You're doing what you feel you're supposed to do. Yeah. I felt I was supposed to do this. Right. I went and took the internship and working in a hospital as like interning in medicine. And I didn't like any of that shit. I was like, I don't want to be here. I'm walking to the hospital holding my breath like a germaphobe and shit. I was like, I yeah. can't do this shit forever. <laughs> I would have been an unhappy doctor, though. Right. You know yeah, what right. I'm saying? So yeah. that's not what I wasn't passionate about that at all. Yeah. But if enough people say sorry, doesn't that take like a toll on you? What do you mean? Like, hey, sorry this deal didn't work out, or sorry that Dame and Jay are going through their stuff, and sorry, like, you know, Def Jam is moving in a different direction. What's crazy? Nobody says sorry in this business. Nobody or, gives a fuck. So, well, no, not, like, not, I know what you like, mean. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like, yeah. So, but you, you just feel like you feel sorry, you, like Sia. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You feel a bit jaded, though. Like, is, is there a black cloud over me? Like, what the fuck is going on? You get that feeling for sure. But I just never. I always felt it was out of my control. I never felt right. like it's me failing. It's not my music. It's no. not my talent. It's not a shortcoming. It's like happenstance. Totally get that. So that's who's, how I felt. Who's the person that you trust in then that's not you where you're like, yo, they see it. They can I was with Chaz. It. Me and Chaz was riding all the way. So I trusted him like a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So whether he, whether, whether he knew what to do or not in those situations, I trusted him. You know what I mean? And then most times he did. Like we we still learn together because this is trials. We we never got each step we took. We're taking together. You know what yeah. I'm trying to say. So yeah. it's not like we know how to be at Def Jam and have the label fall and know what to do like like this or be a Rockefeller have a fall and know what to do. We have to learn what to do in these situations. We didn't never experienced it, yeah. but we're still getting money and getting to the next phase and still making moves. You know what I'm saying. And at the same time, I'm still trying to be an artist, still making records, still be do, doing my marketing, still doing my own uh, uh, publicist engineering setting my own photo shoots videos all of this shit like i'm all this is weighing on me yeah but with and it's weighing on him too because all every step i'm talking about grinding like even like going out to the radio for the whole fucking weekend he's right next to me yeah he's he's orchestrating this shit like he goes hard you know what i'm saying so it was us figuring this shit out so then how did how much did it what was the conversation like when you guys did end up parting ways in like 2011 ish um hard for me because he, it was more like it wasn't like telling a manager you're walking away it was like telling a, a father like I'm about to move out that's what it felt like you know what I'm saying he's such a G he took it real smooth I think he he might have saw it coming but at that time like I was so down like I was all the way in the street hustling still had records and shit on the radio wasn't making any music money just lost the house that I bought for my family like lost the shit you know what I'm saying like we had to leave that house and give it up because we couldn't afford it. Was, it was way out of my price range because my family convinced me, pressured me, like, don't you think you're going to make it? Don't you think you're going to be famous? Get this house. It was like this fucking million dollar house. I'm like, this is like a Jay-Z level house. I don't need to be here. <laughs> yeah. It was way out of my, my, my fucking mortgage, without the tax included, was like 7700 a month. The fucking lawn was $300 a month. I was like, I got $300 lawn to maintain. <laughs> and then the roof is this. It was, all, it was so expensive. And it was way too much for me to maintain that and invest in my career. Yeah. So we lose the shit. So technically, we're homeless at my different family's house. I got twins, issue with baby mother. All of this shit's happening at the same time. And I said, yo, I got to try something different. I have to just change the energy in my life right now. First, reset on everything. Whoever I was dating, I broke up with her. I had to go my own way. 
with uh with with, with him. I had to try everything over. Cause I was like, whatever I'm doing now in life, I am miserably failing at every aspect of it. Yeah, everything was falling apart. Well, but then you also like you have these like things that that make you keep going forward, right? That they keep propelling you, right? Like you, even like small things, like somebody like Shia LaBeouf mentioning you on late night TV. Crazy. Or like, you know, when Drake, you know, calls you, like stuff like that, where it's just like, and that's around that time, I imagine, because 2011 was when um, he was, or maybe a little bit before, I guess. Might have been before. Yeah. But oh, like, might, maybe it was the same, same time. But like, it's, might these, be right. it's like these small, like signifiers that are just like, that's like you're thing. doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I know that I'm talented. I know there's an audience out there. I know if I keep going, then like, I can keep doing this. Mm. And then you have to, you know, you have to also realize that there's all these like shitty things that are that are happening around you yeah and it's not your fault that the def jam thing didn't work out and it's not your fault that the rockefeller thing didn't work out right like you have to understand that in that moment right and i kind of did but i still the kind of person i am i'm always gonna blame myself regardless so i was like okay whatever the issue is maybe you're the common denominator i don't fucking know but i just knew i had to make a change and had to be drastic yeah so I, was like, I gotta press reset on everything and try this shit again because at that point, technically, I'm not, I'm homeless at this point. Like, right. Mom Dukes is on the floor, on a couch. Kids are on the floor. Baby mother's on the floor. Like, we're all over the fucking place. This shit is not successful. And I'm trapping a million miles a minute. I remember being in VA with all kind of shit. Like, what the fuck am I doing here? That was, like, a defining moment for me, too. I was out there, and I remember, like, praying, like, what am I doing in the trap? I got a song on the radio. I'm out here with Everything. And I done drove from New York to VA with the shit. And I'm like, I said, God, if you get me out of this, I swear I'll just figure out something different. So a little change from the kid who was, you know, shooting, thinking that there's going to be no consequences at 18. Now it's all consequences. Now it's all consequences. Right. But that's and also like what I, kind I, of fatherhood I, 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 sure. I have, yeah, twins yep. in the crib, a song at radio. Now I'm running around with every drug you could think of. I'm like, nah, you're doing a lot wrong, bro. And it's to the point where I'm hiding that, too, because I was too ashamed to even tell people I was still in the street because I'm supposed to be this star in my hood. Right. I'm still going outside and still famous in the hood. Every step, it's like, oh, shit, it's Graf, what up, what up? Dude's still taking pictures, autographs and shit. Meanwhile, I'm going through all this other shit. Yeah. I'm like, nah, I got to figure this shit out. So I had to reset everything, everything that I could possibly reset. I just had to do it and figure out, take 10 steps back, take 10 steps forward. I had to. Did you self-manage or did you find somebody else to... To come in to fill that role. Well, I, I kind of self-managed and I have my partner, Max Wayne, who's still here. He was there from the beginning. So he kind of learned under Chaz how to be the best manager he could be. You know what I'm trying to say? <clears throat> we learned together every step of the way, even to this day. We don't know it all still. We're still learning. Y'all might could look at my career and see holes in it and be like, we're still learning. Well, but also, still students. I look at your career and I think like the resilience like is is super impressive. The fact that like, so you, you re-team up with, um, with Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. You know, you you cap off the the trilogy that you didn't imagine was going to be a trilogy. That ass. You mm-hmm. have, um, I imagine, through him, you get um, Benny and Conway on there. Nah, I already. Was, you already had those relationships. Yeah, that remember that. Oh right, that, you were at that, the show. I was. Yeah, I, yeah, we already had the song. Me and Benny already had that song done. Yeah. I, I, was I performing it? He brought me on his set to perform that song a few times. I don't know if it was one of those. I don't remember what show it was, but we were already rocking out. Yeah. yeah. Well, Where? how did you link up? I mean, so how did you get in with all of all of Griselda? I just, I always get, I always gravitate towards the street dudes. We identify with each other. So I got cool with them early. When they were first, I met them on tour with Royce. I went on Royce's, Royce's yep. tour. How wild is that, by the way? Crazy. Like to grow up, like just idolizing 
the yeah. way that he flows. Royce is like my favorite dude. So to be on the tour, and I was the only one. On, it's not like it was a bunch of artists, just me and him on the road doing the whole fucking country. To me, that's amazing. That was like a big milestone for me. Yeah. And he's one of the only rappers, if not the only one, who ever invited me on a tour. Wow. Like I haven't. I've been on one other tour previously, and I was in the beginning of my career with Lyricist Lounge and Scarface, which is amazing too. I, I, was I bet. Straight out of college, straight out the hood. I was a wildin'. <laughs> straight up. Yeah. Wildin'. But um that was my first tour and no other rapper ever invited me on a tour. And then he brought me on this tour. So I learned a lot just watching him, how he works, how he moves, and learn how to tour. And learn what not to do too. I went on tour with like eight dudes. That shit is expensive. Yeah. 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 I can show you in receipts. It cost me about fifty racks on in oh, receipts. You Never mind eight dudes. I brought eight <laughs> dudes. Never mind the cash outside of in receipts it was like fifty racks that we spent. I was like, oh no, I gotta figure this shit out. There can't even be eight jobs for them to do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what's what funny? Was the there was there were. <laughs> no. one one was a driver, yeah. uh, one was a cameraman, uh-huh. one is a DJ, one yeah. is a manager. That's four dudes right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other two were um artists and they mandated my uh merch oh my god so i was eighth person so for seven dudes yeah 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 so everybody had was busy as fuck but it was expensive to do that yeah you, know? you have to be at a certain level to bring eight motherfuckers around the united states right yeah. Yeah. trust me somebody around here can multitask you yeah. know like hell yes <laughs> i learned that the hard way because everybody got to eat we need you need multiple hotel rooms maybe that's somebody's you <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'll starve fuck it give me rice cakes but, but I guess, you know, relationships must, I mean, we know this for a fact, relationships mean everything in this business. Yeah, absolutely. That must have paid off for you through the years, right? Yeah, Royce is a homie now, man. Like, I fuck with Royce. Yeah, also Heavy. Bun. Bun, yeah. Bun is my big bro. I'm saying, same here. And uh, Bun is on every project I ever dropped. People, I don't know if people realize that. Bun is on every yeah, I was, fucking I was going through craft and I was project. Like, bun, 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 bun. And, we got like 20 songs. Yeah. And, you know, for good reason, you returned the favor on that static project. Absolutely. So that was a blessing. I don't know if you know this, but I believe we were standing next to each other in that session. That's a fact, yeah. When Joe was there, when mm. Fat Joe shows up right. and just like destroyed the booth and that then was, was like, I'm going to leave. Nope. I'm going to do a hook too. And we're all in there and like Michi from Flappish Zombies. And we're all just sort of just like, what is this moment to live? Wasn't that a crazy and, ass fucking moment though? Was, Let's reflect on that for two seconds. It was insane. That was like, to me, like the hip hop version of Summer Jam. That shit was fucking crazy. So, wait, the hip hop version of Summer Jam? <laughs> like extra hip hop. <laughs> oh, okay. Like underground, niche ass yeah, hip hop, yeah, yeah, hip hop yeah, yeah, version yeah, yeah. of Summer Jam. Yeah, like that was like crazy. It was me. more parking lot than the parking lot. You know? Yeah, like, there yeah. you go. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, the way to say it. Yeah. Yo, so, I, I went down there just to like take it all in, right? Mm. So, I and I didn't want to be on the title cameras and all that, right? Because they were live streaming it. And I, right, you're not about the fame. Nah, no, nah, you know, nah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah just two thousand dollars sweaters. So I, <laughs> I stood. I was in the the actual like recording room, right? Not like the green room, not the booth, but like the in between room. And it's me and like Queenie, and I'm just sort of, wife. Yeah, I'm just sort of standing, you know, behind the door, or whatever. And in walks Fat Joe, who was just watching on the live stream, and he sits down and he writes longhand. His whole verse as the beats are just on loop and I'm sitting there and I was just like, what the fuck am I experiencing right now? Right. right. And like, he's like, we don't say anything to each other. We don't know each other at the time. That was the first time actually meeting in person that night. Mm-hmm. And so he just looks behind and he goes, what's a better word for wall? And I'm just like, oh shit. Like this, this right here <laughs> this is, is my your, moment. It's your moment. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, uh, and for whatever reason, Maybe I was just caught up, but I was just like, drywall. And he was like, he was like, probably something that doesn't rhyme. I was like, fuck. <laughs> right? And someone else walked in, and they were just like, 
uh, sheetrock. Sheetrock. And I was like, God damn it, sheetrock. Like, right, yes, right, right. That's exactly right. Anyway, blew my moment then. But, uh, and we're cool now. Which right, is right. Great. Well, Joe you and I are. are cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've never met Joe. Yeah. So, so every time we're together and Jeff's just like, I'm trying also to like here. Yeah. Get into the conversation. It's but, never a good time to introduce yeah. him. But Joe and Eric are like best friends. And then there's also me, but, who looks like like the creep, like, you know, three feet behind. He's like, hi. Hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but Joe, Joe tore it down. And it was so dope because it was organic. That's dope. And he just pulled up and he wrote. And, you know, just like everyone was doing that night. Dizza and yeah. Method Man. And, um, Fucking crazy. Just the, the list was long and impressive and, and so much fun because... It's in a small space. It's like the baseline days. You know, yeah. it's like everyone's in, not emailing, not like doing it. It's just making Real it deal. there in 11 hours or whatever it was. Mm. And and you were there. Yeah. So you and Bun are like super tight. Definitely. How did you guys first cross paths? I met Bun probably through Scarface, I think. Because mm-hmm. Scarface wanted to sign me in the beginning too. Back back then when I, when I signed with uh, Sony, Scarface offered me the first deal. But back then, ind- the signing to independence weren't wasn't the wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these companies are throwing so much money at me, and I was so young and didn't know what I know now. Then <laughs> I would have took the Scarface deal ten times over any amount that any label would have gave me because he said it. Like, listen, I can't offer him what what Sony's gonna offer him, but I can tow him through the whole South and break him out there. I didn't know what that meant back then. Imagine a New York dude like me touring with Scarface yeah. in like 2003, four. Yeah, but I yeah. would have been out of here. But but what, to be, to be fair, it's such it's easy to say that now, right? Yeah, back I didn't then, know. it's just like, no, New York, like, no, we're it. Yeah. Right? I you're, didn't you're, know. You're fire out in New York, right? Like, you're running New York. Yeah. But then also, like, but it's a Scarface, like, though. No, no, yeah, no, but it's no, a Scarface. Like, tough crowds, though. Because, like, nah, because we did a few shows on the tour and it was all good. Like, if, if Scarface co signs you, motherfuckers is like, whatever he says, we ride him <laughs> with that. Anywhere in the country. I think it would have set you apart. I'll say that. But yeah. Because, like, I think that you came up at a time where, again, New York was popping. And there were a lot of New York guys. Mm. Yeah, Papoose is signing with Slay. Yep. But nah, but what you're missing is if Scarface brings you on <laughs> oh, the no. road, uh, his yeah, show, I'm, I'm following says, you. Listen yeah. to this dude. <laughs> yeah. The crowd will be like, all right, let's go. You got him. Because any any city he did that in, like, all right, I'm bringing Graf. He on, like, he's standing there saying, listen to this. Right. You, you, they, they, and I see what you he got was thinking, by the way, in terms of like Wordsmith, been, Wordsmith, yeah. like, yeah. Bro, yeah. I would have been. Out of here. Remember how Nelly came out and went diamond because he yeah. did all these tertiary markets yeah. and yeah. had the whole country in the palm of his hand? Yeah. I, mean, I would have yep. been an East Coast dude with that same kind of power well, if real, I understood what that meant real back quick. then. That's what he was saying, but I didn't get it. Over the course of your career, like New York's your number one market, but what's yeah, yeah. like your second or third that might be surprising? You're just like, yo, my shit rings off in like Memphis or like, you know. Um, DC and London. DC and London. Yeah, I went to London. I was like fucking Jigga Man out there. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I'm talking about dudes running out the store where they work. Yo, bruv, it's fucking right, bruv. It was serious. That's dope. London, they give a fuck about bars. Heavy. Shout yeah. out to London. Shout out to the UK. They Japan fuck does with. too. Oh, Japan too. I went to Japan. It was retarded. Do you do? J- retarded in Japan. I did two days in Japan with Dame, as a matter of fact. That shit was crazy. What is it like traveling through Japan with Dame and Dash? <laughs> We, that's another funny story. <laughs> he gave me two edibles, right? Yeah. Cookies. And said, don't eat both of these. I was like, I got this, nigga. Ooh. I got this, nigga. You wild. I got this. I ate both of them shits. Good. Another smart decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to 15, your medical, you know. 15 hours later, I was high as 
fuck. Oh, no. I couldn't even function. No. As soon as we, he was hot too. You were like, I'm in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> you sure? It's Chinatown. <laughs> hey, I was out of my mind. Still, he was he was hot too. As soon as we landed, his mad cameras in our face, interviews and shit. We mumbled. Well, you took it, it on we the mumbled, plane? Mumbled, yeah, we took it and they got on the plane. Yeah. Like JFK, we just bust that shit down, got on the plane. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Slept the whole flight like a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah as soon yeah, as yeah, I landed, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm high as fuck. <laughs> I was high as fuck in Japan. Yeah. But he was too, though. We neither one of us could figure out a goddamn thing. <laughs> and we walked right into the cameras and interviews and shit. I was like, oh, damn. I can't. I'm, I'm glad y'all speak English. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> I was mumbling a bunch of nonsense. I promise you. So, yeah, that was, that was my experience flying to uh, Japan with Dame Dash. <laughs> so... This new project has super heavy hitters on it. Yeah. And it's a lot of bars and a lot of storytelling and a lot of fire. Thank you. Um, I think that there's a lot of... It's it's cool now. The pendulum swings, right? Right. And it's cool now to spit, you know? Or it's always been cool. But I'm right. saying like it's more accepted in the the larger you know listening community right um because it's you know for example look at griselda right right like they're winning off bars um you come out now you never even though you might have you know had label pressure to change your sound you never changed you're always you you went through a lot of situations you've always remained the same do you feel like the tide is turning do you feel like a lot of good energy is around this project right now When I first came out, hip hop and bars were in style, and I was having fun. Uh, a couple years after that, New York lost its identity. Nobody gave a fuck about hip hop, and it was for me, it was miserable. This shit felt like a fucking job. I was not having fun. This is the first time in my career since the beginning that I'm actually having fun with the business. The fact that hip hop and bars are in style, I am fucking ecstatic. I am happy I could shed a tear. I am happy as shit. Everything's hitting at the same time. Bro. Yeah. The hip hop is so right. Hip hop is in style again. And I happen to know how to rap. Yeah. This shit is amazing. I have never <laughs> I am on happened. cloud nine. You understand? <laughs> like business wise, like I, I never saw a way to really make for me real money with music. Hip hop, hip hop. Until now. Oh, and indie is in style too, by the way. Bro, this yeah. shit is Ownership. amazing. I'm like, yeah. the clouds open up. This shit is, I am elated. I am very happy. Yo, like, what? I'm smiling every day. I'm like, oh, I could just rap. I don't got to do none of this extra ass shit and all this politics in my way. All I have to do is just rap and make music. Ah. Oh. Yo, no, but. Bro. Okay, looking back now. It's different. What do you think about that, that graph mm. who is in Virginia? That graph who didn't have a house anymore that graph who you know felt the pressure to go walk you know the block and people recognize him for a certain thing but know that there's like darker ship you know just around the corner right like what do you think about that that time i think uh i guess i had to go through that to become the me now like i'm super resilient and i will never quit at anything i want to do i will always tell people whatever you dream of do it because you're not going to have a happy life without it you're going to be 40 50 60 doing whatever the fuck you felt you had to do and be miserable as fuck and that same energy is going to get passed on to your kids and your wife and the people around you and like nah do what you want to do or do it till you fail at it who gives a fuck do what you want to do because it's your life you live it once you know what i'm saying and i lost a lot and 
I made it back. Only thing you really lose is time. That money isn't ain't about shit. Money ain't, it doesn't mean anything. It's a different color in every fucking country. It means nothing. You got to do what you want to do. Whatever you feel is fulfilling to you. Do that shit. That's all that fucking matters. Mm-hmm. And I learned that through all those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, get what you want out of this out of this life. Don't don't feel obligated to be trapped in any situation because you're not. You can fuck your whole life up do, doing it for other people. Because I always put other people first. I can't even help it. But at some time, you have to say, let me check on my glass of water. Is it half empty? Is it half full? Is it fucking empty? Because if your glass is fucking empty, you can't pour into somebody else's. And people are like, they know you on an airplane. They say, put your mask on first, then take care of the child. Because you'll put the child's mask on first and fucking die. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So you have to take care of yourself and really do what fills your glass up. And I had to learn that through all those trials and tribulations. Or, Well, who do you do this for? I would say my family and my friends, people that I care about. Kids, moms, my friends, my people that are close to me. Do you do it for Queens? Hell yeah. Yeah. Queens, New York City, definitely. They on my back. Yeah. I have to do it for the borough and for my city. Like, I feel what I mean to the city is important. I'm like the last one of this, from the era, era, and of the dying breed of hip hop because people didn't give a fuck about bars for like a decade yeah. here. Like, the new rappers that grew up here, they grew up on Atlanta music in New York. It's not their fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you if you grew up and you're like, 25 now when you rap I'm not expecting you to sound like Nas or Jay-Z or Royce because you grew up on Atlanta music in New York City mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. you what else would your influences be New York lost identity until a few years ago we just started rapping again I've been rapping the whole fucking time you know what I'm <laughs> saying but the city lost its identity mainstream wise the streets was always the same but we were getting ignored Yeah, there were times career wise where all us New York rappers that like weren't at the forefront but like bust our ass out here would be in the club with other superstars from other cities let's say like a Ross or a Meek or whoever mm-hmm. do some different, different cities and the DJs would shout out the out of towners more than us and I was mad as fuck like bro we here you yeah. wildin like if you're a DJ like if I'm in Atlanta or LA or, or Florida or Tennessee them DJs in that city gonna make sure that I know where the fuck I'm at they're going to make sure they rep their artists. They play the music. They're going to be dropping bombs. They're going to make sure that us out-of-towners know where the fuck we're at. Yeah. When we lost our identity here, we were the only city that were embracing out-of-towners more than our own. And I was fucking livid. Well, especially because you know those DJs were the same guys who helped build your career. And so then it's just like, oh, now well, you're in the clubs. They, and- they kind of didn't. I, my shit was made in the street. They didn't really support only one on the radio that really support was Slay. Well, I was thinking more mixtapes. Nah, this is like the mainstream guys who run a nightlife. This yeah. is they mainstream. Mm-hmm. They were more concerned with playing and leaning towards the out of towners rather than embracing their own. So if you were from out of town, you felt you definitely were bigger than the artists here because yeah. the DJs in the system here is making sure of that. What was your relationship like with Flex? It's cool. He don't really. I mean, he he please supports. A little bit, you know what I'm trying to say? But he doesn't embrace it to the point where it's like, I'm putting graph on the forefront. Right. Definitely not. He ain't doing that. I ain't even do his his mixtape series yet, the, yeah. the freestyle yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every time he does it, I'm like, don't skip me. Yeah. You had the same artist like three or four times already. I'm like, all right, fuck it, I guess, whatever. Maybe, I, I don't know. I Can know you what still I, go but, for 50 bars like you did at Kanye's place? <laughs> I'm going to go for 100 bars at Flex. But I'm, I'm like, Flex, what you doing? They're like... Aye, whatever. Listen, if you want to do it right now, yeah, 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 yeah. Just Eric will beatbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be dope, actually. Yeah. It but nah, but it's but, fine. You would be great. 
that would not be good. Sorry, but it's very kind of you. Yeah. But nah, but I, I um I care about New York and hip hop here and what it means to the world. It, this this is New York City. And I gotta embrace that. Yeah. I, I was mad. I ain't gonna front. But I never went out and attack the DJs or say anything negative. Because some DJs do do care about the culture and do care about New York City. Some of them didn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the ones that did, more power to you. I definitely commend you and tip my hat to you. Yeah. Clue. Clue plays New York radio. Yeah. New York fucking, even though he ain't playing my records all day, but he'll fucking play locks and a bunch of New York shit all day. Yeah. Flex just started playing New York shit again, which is great. Because mm-hmm. he helped. Remember when Trinidad James said uh, yep. yeah. he came to New York and I sound like Atlanta? Yep. Everybody got mad. Yep. Around that yep. time, yeah. New York put their foot down. I was like, fuck that. We embracing New York again. And then Flex got on his shit. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm just glad they back on their shit because yeah. we was off the fucking reservation for like a decade. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's New York, man. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. It's well, New York. Well, I have, a, I have one more question, which is uh, as a almost medical professional, <laughs> what, what can you advise people to do for the uh, coronavirus? Die. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Smart. No. Yeah. That's the way to go. Yo, yeah. Well, Graf, congratulations on this new project. Thank you. Congratulations on, on making it through a career where you had to make a lot of tough calls, you know? And, and, right. uh, but listen, out of all those tough calls, the greatest call was Busta Rhymes to your mom. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was dope. Yo, Word. thanks so much for coming through. Nah, thanks for having me, man. This is dope. No doubt. Right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Waste Time with It's The Real. Jeff, people want to find out more about us. I'm Eric with the curly hair. You are Jeff with the glasses. Together, we are It's The Real. No apostrophe. No spaces. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out more about what's going on with us, Jeff, where can they go? You can always go to itsthereal.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com. You can go and follow us on all social media platforms, but the only two that really matter are twitter.com slash it's the real and also Instagram at it's the real. How about YouTube? YouTube.com slash it's the real. Is YouTube a social, social media, media platform? I mean, it's a net. Yeah, I guess it's a platform. I don't know. It doesn't seem like. Go support us there. Yeah, go follow us. Whatever. Have a, have a Patreon. Joe. Get us that $30. Patreon.com slash it's the real. I do want to shout out our everybody who supported us over there i think that it it matters not just the producers but everybody who has been supporting us absolutely agree and now is the time to do it i want to shout out dan rosenthal our brother hey he's the only one okay also (laughs) also ian lutz amir bessie joseph scott brian Kraft, ramon m sean moba danger that's lucian Jason Johnson, Jamal Long, Ian Denkwa, Kwesi Yankson, Matt Tompkins, William Cooney, Michael Sanchez, Bernard Freeman, that's Bun B, Alicia Solomon, Ain't No Jigga, Harold Little, Julia Rubin, Anthony Cruz, Dante B, John Fry, The Podcast Guy, Zion Adesem, Dang Thokboom, Ray Rodriguez, Connor Meager, Jimmy Branley, Rashida, Danny DeBerry, Rory from the Joe Button Podcast, Robert Dill, Dave Dunn, DJ Cass, Shiv Pandya, Shiv. Joss Biggins, who I owe an email to, Hunter Rangasan, MTS Chudry, Daniel, Steve Whitehurst, Parth Patel, Landon Becker Parton, Forge, Esther Bloom, Frederick Sieber Leitner, Corey Ball, Matt Fastow, Sputch. Felipe Morgado, Eric Guerra, Brian Hasty, Shale Thacker, Kaz, Matt Migliarelli, Rafael Castaneda, Rachel McCoy, Josh Gonzalez, David, James Ledley, Shannon Johnson, Travis Davis, 
Brandon Colon, Josh Adams, there's a lot of people, Brian Reddy, Mr. Reddy Art Stud, Christopher Williams, Kevin, Benjamin Jacobs, Mitchell Boyd, Ahmed Oda, Sanjay, Lee Kaplan, Reggie Bullock, Daniel Tutapoli, Sean Austin, and Kaylin motherfucking summer shout outs to all of you guys thank you sincerely for rocking with us week in and week out jeff as always not for real for real sure sure see you guys next week Correct. Correct.